0: i
1: Before we get into this, fellas, if you would go ahead and move the pulpit down, if you would help me out with that again. We're still in the midst of our uh, great mistakes, uh, great miscalculations, and mistake series, and so we're going to be dealing with that. But as the guys move the uh, pulpit, um, I'm going to uh, just remind you. Am I on here? Is, is this. It's sorry. It's it's just I, I'm. Okay, Is it on? I'm not hearing it. Hello? 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 I'm not getting it over here, brother. Something's not right with our system tonight. Let's see. I hope I don't have to yell. You hope I don't have to. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what. Um, I'll, I'll use the other mic then if that's the case. I can just use the other mic. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. Somebody's kid was under there playing earlier. Probably Brother Cavanaugh's.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, let me just... Oh, wow, okay. I just got ready to start yelling. Okay, so uh, let me just uh, remind you uh, about, um, of course, not just uh, Sunday night, uh, night at the carousel, which will be exciting. Uh, we'll probably have some fellows there under the carport for some of you that need maybe would like to get out there and, and they could park your car for you or something like that because it's going to be a little nasty up there. It's not going to be perfect. Somebody said, well, can we just shuttle? We're going to shuttle up there? And I said, yeah, we'll run a shuttle and everybody will drive anyway. So, you know, I know how that works. So, uh, no, we're not running a shuttle. But if, you're, if you are concerned about, you know, getting out there, and, and, and I can understand why some of you would be very concerned about slipping and falling. Uh, I almost fell up there the other day. So... Uh, if that's you, and we're going to do our best to clear that parking lot off on the top side, back behind the the carport. But if, if that's you and you're concerned, uh, drive on in. We'll have somebody park your car for you. If you trust them, and and we'll go from there, okay. But there's there's plenty of room to park back there, and and they can help you with that. and They'll go get it and bring it up to you before you leave. That kind of things, because we want everyone to feel welcome to come and not concerned about their safety. Uh, now, don't if you're 35 years old, please don't have somebody park your car for you. We will not do that. Uh, I'm telling you right now, I'd rather you fall than me. But anyway, uh, but but you know where I'm going with this, okay? You know what I mean. Uh, we've got some ladies and maybe even some fellows that would be safer just to get on in there and scoot on in. Okay, so that's going on. And then don't forget about the uh, um, a Mind to Work offering coming up on March the 1st, and that's on Sunday morning, Sunday night. We'll be taking that up as well, but uh, we'll, we'll say a little bit more about that Sunday as well. All right, well, let's get to this tonight. Again, we're right in the midst. We've only got another week or two of this. Um, I think i got to hit a button, right? Okay, maybe not. Um, so... Uh, what, those guys taking a vacation back there or what? I mean, what's going on tonight, Brother Keith? Oh, it's Buddy's fault, yeah. Yeah, I saw him point, he pointed at you when you weren't looking, Buddy. All right, okay. Great miscalculations and mistakes. We're still in the midst of this. And again, just a little bit different, kind of a deviation from the norm. And I like it. I, I, I've enjoyed it. It's, 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 it's nice and, and simple. Romans 15.4, I even get to wear my glasses up here because I have to read, see? I can not I can read a distance, a distance reading, but I can't read close with them. So anyway, you get to see me in my glasses. But nonetheless, Romans 15.4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Once again, everything that God's put in that word, the book, the Bible, is for our learning. Everything. And we, we can never forget that, okay? We certainly can't forget that. All right, um, so let's learn the easy way, not the hard way. I heard somebody say the other day, they said the best way to learn is the hard way. And I thought, well, I'm not saying you don't learn some real valuable lessons the hard way. And honestly, you probably learn those lessons uh, as a whole. if If you're like most people, you learn lessons through the hard way. But you know, God didn't intend us to learn the hard way. You know, he never did. That's why he put it in the book. You know, save yourself a lot of trouble. You know, learn from the mistakes of others. So that's why we have great mis- miscalculations and mistakes. And, and um, uh, Brother Brad, I didn't really mean to bring up what you said, but I just thought I would. No, he didn't say that. I'm teasing. He didn't do that. Okay. He didn't say that. Some of you teachers are like, he just told us some stuff in that last meeting. I wonder if that was true. Okay. All right. Here we go. How about help me out, fellas? You guys got to be awake till I start. There we go. All right. Eve Eve believed Satan's lie that God was holding back some blessings. We learned some of these things along the way. We talked about Cain, Lot, Abraham along the way. We talked about Aaron and Korah. We said Korah, in his pride, made the mistake of opposing God's man. Moses' mistake was that he let his anger get the best of him, and he miscalculated how far his anger would take him. Went right down the line. A number of others, Jephthah, made the mistake of speaking before he thought, and it cost him greatly. Think before you speak. Jehoshaphat made the mistake of joining with the wicked. Jonah, his great mistake was that he ran from God, and he miscalculated God's reach. Uh, we talked about Israel and Judah, Judas, and then finally, uh, last week, we talked about Peter. He made the mistake of placing his confidence in himself and not the Savior, and we know how that ended. Bad, okay? Of course, he denied the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? And we don't want to deny the Lord. So then we come to Ananias and Sapphira today, and that's what I want to talk about. And uh, we want to look at that passage. If you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. I'm going to need three guys, or three folks to read. Three folks to read, if you would. King James Bibles, let's go ahead and do it. One, right there. You're going to read six verses. That means all of chapter 4, the, through the end of chapter 4. You're going to read six verses, okay, in chapter 5, 1 through 6. You're going to read 7 through 11, uh, 7 through 11 then, I believe it is. Okay, go ahead, brother, if you would, please stand and read that. <coughs> Take your time.
2: And the, the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the pres- resurrection of the Je- Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. ...among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Josephus, who, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of Consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay. So a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And to keep back part of the price of the land. While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied Hmm. unto man, but unto God. Hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon all them that heard these things. And the young man arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him.
1: And it was about the space of three hours after, when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband... Out the door and shall carry the out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth buried her upon as many as heard these things. All right, we have this unbelievable account in the Word of God. And of course, there's a number of things we can learn along the way. But before we do, let's kind of recount this a little bit. First of all, we see the unity that's taking place here in this church early on in chapter 4. It's quite obvious in verse uh, 32 through 33 that uh, it says that they, they, they were of one heart and of one soul. Isn't that something? Now, that's, that's real unity here. Now, you have to understand that what's transpired here previously is that the day of Pentecost had taken place. Now... It's, it's interesting to note that because ultimately we're going to see people selling lands and possessions and different things like that so that there are people who are without can now have their needs met. The fact is, is that when Pentecost came, there was what? How many thousand were saved? Does anybody remember? How many was it? 3,000 Three thousand were saved. Now, where were they from? Were they from Jerusalem? No, they weren't from Jerusalem. They were from all different parts of the world. And they'd come to Jerusalem, and they, got, they end up coming to Christ, getting saved. And next thing you know, what's the next step? They'd be baptized, they to be added to the church. And guess what started happening? Those people stayed. How did the world get the gospel so quickly? Because people from all around the world came to Jerusalem that day, got saved, stayed, were trained, and then went back. And so there's a portion of time where there's needs being met in people's lives. This isn't their, they don't have no livelihood here. Their jobs were back in their homeland. Now they're under the inspiration and they're under the uh, influence of this church, and they're growing in Christ. So there's needs abounding in a number of people's lives. And so the church is taking this on themselves. People that live in Jerusalem, probably housing people that from outside. There was a number of people who were probably... Left there, I don't know what the temperature was like there, but what I do know is that there was many of them being trained. As a matter of fact, at the end of Acts chapter 2, we noticed that those people that were saved, it goes on, and they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. How could they do that if they weren't there? So there's a number of things transpiring here. So it's just a few chapters later, a, a period of time now, a short time where we have such unity in the church. Here's a people that are concerned about one another, love one another, are interested in their affairs and their their, their cares and their needs. And so here, here we are. Now, does that sound like the church today? Not too often. Not too often. And of course, we get in this particular passage and people get really nervous. Then They start going, oh great, he's going to talk about selling property. He's going to talk about selling lands. Okay, well I'm not going to get into all that. But, you know, if you thought it, then probably you're convicted about it. You ought to sell it. But anyway, moving on. <coughs> so anyway, the unity. We see the unity here. So there it is, chapter 4. But notice the community. Chapter 4, verse 34, again, and uh, 35. Uh, right after that, we see here, it says, i got to go back because that was somewhere else. There we go. It says, uh, neither was there uh, among them, uh, any, any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices and the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. No one was an outsider. No one. Everybody was like family. And so here's what was really going on there were some that had possessions, a number of them had lands, had houses. I mean, they had the the, winter, the summer house down by the beach. They had this house maybe over here that they rented. They had this house over here that they were dealing with. They had a, an extra piece of land over here that they didn't use at all. Or maybe they had somebody else that was just leasing it so that they could possibly grow crops on it or something. I don't know. But what they did is they had lands. They had, they had certain things. And so they turned around and they sold those, brought the money, set it at the apostles' feet for one express purpose. That was to meet the needs of others that were in need. It doesn't say that they met their wants. It said they met their needs. It's a big difference. And so, nonetheless, that's what's taking place. This is, not, this is a big family, and it's a legitimate family. I wonder today if your son or daughter wasn't on drugs or alcohol or bound by some kind of vice, and uh, they had a need, I mean a legitimate need. They were going hungry, or possibly they had nowhere to stay. Not, not because they chose a lifestyle that leads that direction. Not because they were a prodigal. I'm not talking about helping somebody and and doing things for people so that you can ultimately become almost a tool for Satan to keep them in the vice. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes people need to suffer because that's what brings them back sometimes. But, But if you had a son or a daughter, a mom or a dad, that was in a situation where they didn't have food to eat or they didn't have enough money to buy a pair of decent shoes to walk outside without their feet freezing, and you had something that you could help them with, Would you not give it? Would you withhold it or would you give it? Obviously, you'd give it because it's family, right? You love them. They're important to you. Do you know what? Biblically, scripturally, these people said, you know what? We are of one mind. We're of one body. We are community. We are family. That's what they said. That's what they said. And so we, we see that early on here in the passage. Now, Then we turn around and we see the generosity expressed here in chapter 4 again. Specifically, we have this man, Joseph, here, and ultimately uh, surnamed Barnabas. The Bible says here that uh, having land, sold it, brought the money, laid it at the apostles' feet. So he had some land that he sold. He brings some of that land, the money, lays it at the apostles' feet. Now, that's how the chapter ends. That's how it ends. And then chapter 5 kicks off, but but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession. Now we're going to see some depravity. And what we find then, of course, is this couple, they turn around and they sell a piece of ground as well. They do exactly what Joseph did. They do exactly what surname Barnabas did. They come in and lay the money down too. The only problem is they didn't lay it all down. And you say, that's no problem. It wouldn't have been a problem if they would have just said, we're only given part of it. That's no problem. As a matter of fact, the apostle even says, listen, while it was in your hands, didn't you, you, wasn't it yours? Couldn't you have done with it as you pleased? But here's what I think really is transpiring here. Earlier on, chapter 4, remember, here's Joseph, and here's, here's his surname Barnabas, and he turns around and sells a piece of property. and Everybody's says, wow, woo, wow, what a spiritual giant. Oh, look at Barnabas. Wow. I'm just as spiritual he is. I'm going to sell me some land too. I'm going to get somebody to pat me on the back. I want somebody to think I'm a good Christian. I mean, everybody knows I own land. Everybody knows I own property. If I don't sell anything, they'll think I'm heartless. They'll think I'm like really wicked or something. I mean, I'm just as, I don't want anybody to think anything bad about me. So I'm wondering, I wonder. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but brings his money up. And, of course, it wasn't all of it, although it appeared that it would be all of it, supposed to be all of it. And uh, he got caught in what? Yeah. And he died. And, unfortunately, his wife was all part of the plan. She was in on it. She knew exactly what was going on. Matter of fact, she lied when she came in, too, didn't she? She lied, too. And what happened to her? She died, too. See, there... See them? Right there they are. Buried. Right there in Jerusalem. Yeah, and that's something? So, <clears throat> Ananias and Sapphira made the mistake of believing they could cover up their sin. That's really what their mistake was. They thought they could cover their sin up. How was they going to cover it up? By lying. But their mistake was that they thought they could cover it up. And they miscalculated the consequences of their lying. I mean, when's the last time? Have you ever thought you were going to die because you lied? I never thought that. I I didn't. I mean, you you cheat on a test, you lie or something. I never thought I was going to die for it. I mean, I, I felt like dying sometimes maybe when I got caught in a lie, but I wasn't going to die. I don't think they thought that either. They miscalculated the consequences of their sin, of lying. You know, it really, in reality, we all do that. Our sin is never really hidden. That's what we need to really understand. And there's no sin that's ever hidden. Proverbs fifteen three: The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. The fact is, is that, as I put here, sin will be uncovered at some point. It will always be uncovered. And sooner or later, it will be discovered. You know, we have this idea that we'll be the exception to the rule. That I can get away with murder, so to speak. I'll not get caught. Oh, he was stupid or she was dumb, but I'm smart. I'll get away with it. And we get that kind of mentality. We're so arrogant. We're so prideful. Sin will always be uncovered at some point, whether immediately or down the road. It will be discovered. Number thirty-two twenty-three says, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. The children of Israel, of course, had had wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, and and had been discouraged by the spies prior to that. You know, coming back, and they said, "Oh, yeah, there's giants in the land, and all that good stuff." Next thing you know, the people are discouraged, and as a result, they're unwilling to take that step of faith into the promised land. Now, now, 40 years later, they're preparing to go into the promised land again, and uh, Moses and, and some of the you know the the children of Gad and the, let's see, uh, Manasseh and half let's see the children of I, I get this all mixed up. There's two and a half tribes. Nonetheless, I don't even want to go there right now. I'll mess it all up. If I took the minute I'd figure it out, but I'm talking too much, so let's move on. So the fact is is that there's two and a half tribes that say, Listen, we're we're content to stay on this side of Jordan. It's perfectly fine for us, man. I mean it's nice. We like it. It's good. We'll we'll build our little homes here. We'll take care of our uh tend our our, our sheep here and our, our, our cattle here and we'll do all of those things here. And he said, Listen, I'll tell you what, you can do that, but you have to go across Jordan and fight. If you don't go across Jordan and fight, if you don't, you don't continue to battle till the land has been won and taken, then guess what? Be sure your sin will find you out. Now, now I know it's a little bit different circumstance, but I think that the principle is always the same. Our sin is never hid. It will always come out sooner or later. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. We know people that have gotten away with sin for a while. but Remember, days is a thousand years with the Lord. So, you think you're getting away with it for the last two years, the last three years, the last five years, the last ten years? Let me tell you, sooner or later, it's going to be found out. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. What sort of man soweth, that shall he also reap. Ananias and Sapphira violated a commandment when they gave only part of the money instead of the whole. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's just basically a a lie. You're lying about them. You're, You're gossiping about them. Well, listen, they, they bared false witness. They, they implied or they somehow inferred that we're going to bring the sale of our land, we're going to bring all of it and lay it at the feet of the apostles. That's what was, that was what was going on here, somehow, some way. It doesn't say in the scripture for sure that they stood up and said, I'm going to give every penny that comes from my property sale to the, to the people of God. They there's nothing that says that, but obviously they lied because they only brought part of it, so there must have been a point where they made a commitment to give it all. And they didn't. So, again, they lied. They broke a commandment, one of God's commandments. God's not, he's not real happy with that. The sin wasn't in giving only a portion, as we said. It was in not giving what they had promised to give. That's the real issue. So what can we learn about lying then today? And I want to talk a few minutes just about lying. And I think you're going to be kind of shocked when I read you a few statistics here. But first of all, we consider the root of lying. The root of lying is a person, Satan. The Bible says, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. The devil's the father of lies. All lies. All lies. All lies. All lies. He's the father of little white lies, that we like to call him. He's the father of those lies when we're trying to spare everybody's feelings, you know. You say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're just talking about lying, that's all. Last time I checked, you're either lying or you're not. It's not you're lying a little or you're not. That's what I thought, at least. (laughs) This is fun. This gets nasty, don't it? Picking on all of us, including me. Picking on us, preacher. The root of lying is the devil. So, if you lie... Guess who you let rule your life? Yeah, it wasn't the Spirit of God leading. It's flesh and the devil. I don't care if you're lying on your taxes. Ouch, that one hurt. I felt that one. That was a kink right there. I, I felt that one. Lying on your taxes or, or if you're lying to the police officer. No, I really wasn't going 70 miles an hour in that 25 mile an hour. <laughs> I really wasn't an officer. I was only doing 65. It doesn't matter. Lying is lying. And and unfortunately he's the father of lies. You know, where where were you? Uh I was at a friend's house. Oh really? What friend? Uh John. I've never heard of that boy's name before. Uh since when has he been your friend? Oh, we've been friends a long time. Oh, okay. Hey, that's still a lie. You know what I'm saying? And friends, your parents don't even know who your friends are. Hey, by the way, parents, let me just throw this in. Um, probably the, the one of the, the greatest tools Satan has used to divide the home is that stinking phone that we buy our kids, and then they can get on there and talk to anybody they want whenever they want. You say I check it all the time. Go ahead. You better check it all the time because if you don't, let me tell you something. Night and day, they're on the stinking phone. I, I'm telling. I mean, let's just be honest. I remember my kids got their phones at 18. And I'm going to tell you something. When they got their phone at 18, life changed. It changed. And they were on the phone. Megan's over here talking to some big galoot down there in, uh, you know, uh, you know down, down in Kentucky somewhere. And I'm thinking, what in the world are you doing? And the day, he'd have had to call and say, may I please speak to Megan? And I'd have said, no. No. <laughs> But but my my wife or myself, we'd have known she's on the phone. We'd have known she's talking to him. We'd have known how long she was on the phone because we'd pick it up to call somebody, get off the phone. (laughs) Don't work that way now. And you say, oh, yes, it does. I'm telling you, if they have those cell phones, you can't monitor it all the time. You may see at the end of the month that they've had a lot of extra minutes. But just be careful with that stuff, please. Please be careful. I'm not saying it because I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I'm saying it because I'm concerned about our homes and our families. And, and and so be careful with it. And and again, those are really easy areas to lie if they're smart. You know, they're easy. You know, they can be tempting. You know, uh, I don't know. You just got to be careful with that stuff. I, I I don't hardly know enough about it. I. But anyway, but anyway, the root of lying, is the devil. The reason for lying. Well, in Ananias and Sapphira's case, it would seem that they desired uh, the appearance of spirituality. Uh, it's, it's likely that they were not as concerned about the needs of others as they were their own reputation. I mean, more than likely, I mean, I I don't know that for sure. The Bible doesn't tell us 100% why they did it, except that that chapter 4, at the end of chapter 4, and it goes, but Ananias and Sapphira. So it seems they wanted to compare themselves to somebody else, it seems to me. I mean, this particular young lady here, she's going to work, uh, to school, and the homework assignment's due, it's due today. And she says, my dog ate my homework. No one ever gave that excuse, did they? Who's given that excuse, seriously? Yeah, I got a couple of them, yeah. I see, yeah, it was true. yeah, it was true, right, Dean? <laughs> Wait, everybody, clear the room real quick. That lightning bolt should come down any moment. <clears throat> <laughs> but lying is a tool that's often used for self-preservation or prosperity. Let me ask you a question: How, Why do you think people lie? Let's just get a few answers. Why do you think people lie? What, 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 oh, let's raise hands. Yeah, fear. Okay, uh, fear. Fear of what? Just one thing. Fear of what? Okay, okay, very good, yeah. Make themselves look better. Okay, make themselves look better, yes. okay. Pride. Uh, pride, yes, in what way? Maybe you can give me kind of an example or, or a...
2: Like You you live a certain life and you have a standard that you want to try and portray. Okay. And then you have something that deviates from that, so you lie okay. to try and keep that reputation up.
1: Good, good, okay, so trying to... Right, very good then, yeah. Okay, that's, that's what they'll say, sure. Yeah. Because you lie and you know the consequences and you don't want to accept them. Okay, you're concerned about consequences, so you'll lie about a situation so you don't have to face up to something. Yeah, absolutely. All those are excellent. Excellent. Um, yeah, I mean, like Susan's, I, I thought that was interesting when she said to, how did you put that again? To... Don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Right, don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Isn't that something? And maybe it's because they want to feel accepted themselves, too. They're afraid of hurting somebody else and them going, "Ah, oh, you don't ever talk to me again. I don't like you. <laughs> and so maybe it's still about self. Anybody else? Yeah. That you'll be shunned if yeah, absolutely. It kind of goes with Susan's a little bit maybe underlying. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. You know, you don't want to tell your friend the honest truth because they may not, you know, appreciate it a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it, it, you know what? When it, when it all comes down to it, everything we're hearing really has to do with what? So, me. Well, you know. It really does. It has to do with me, you know? And uh, that that's the problem. Lying really, I mean, anytime it's about Satan, right? It's pride, right? That's the root of everything with him. And so uh, lying is really an element of pride. Somebody says, you know, well, it's not really. It's to get rich. It's to do this, do that. Yeah, but it's still about you, Still that you, whether it's a business deal and you're lying about a piece of property or the house. I mean, when we're trying to sell the house over here, we had, you know, full disclosure. I mean, listen, they make you sign paper after paper after paper after paper. Why? Because people lie so much about those kind of things that they wanted something in writing. And the truth is, even though it's in writing, they really won't be able to hold you to it. And uh, in the long run, they just want to make you feel like, you know, guess what? I'm putting my name on it. And I guess I better be honest. But in the long run, by the time you get through the courts and everything, people are like, forget it. I can't even fight it. I'd rather just pay the $1,000 and fix it myself. But uh, that's about how it ends up usually. But, but nonetheless, uh, well, you know, we ought to be honest. So reasons for lying. There's a number of reasons. And uh, everybody has their own. And everybody thinks theirs is a good reason. The response to lying, though. There can be little doubt how serious a matter this, is, this lying is to God. Think about what he just did. I mean, think about how serious it was to him, in relationship to Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, that's serious business. If if you knew that if you lied again you would die, you think you'd be concerned about lying? Absolutely. But, but see, God doesn't. God's so gracious to us. He gives us so much more than we deserve, and He doesn't give us what we do deserve. And his response though is very clear. I don't like it. I hate it. I hate it with all my passion, all my heart, the Lord says. In his book entitled, "Waited in One and Wanting, D.L. Moody makes a statement. He says, we have, we've, uh, we have gotten nowadays so that we divide lies into white lies and black lies. You've got to understand he lived over a hundred years ago. Now we're talking about, you know, a long time ago D.L. Moody lived, 1890s, okay? Now, We've gotten nowadays, he says. So that we divide lies into white lies and black lies, society lies, business lies, etc. The Word of God knows no such letting down of the standard. Isn't that funny how D.L. Moody thought that the society was going to hell in that day? We look back in those days and go, man, even the worst sinner was better than most Christians in those days. But D.L. Moody's standard was never society... It was never anyone or anything other than God and His Word. See, the standard hasn't changed since D.L. Moody's Day and ours. I get a little bit perturbed sometimes when we look at some of the old-timers and we say, ah, they just weren't with it. Things have changed and it's different now. And they just don't understand. And they're just a little bit over the top with these standards and over the top with all this stuff. Well, they were just following the same Bible we're following. How come we see it so different than they do? Maybe it's not... Maybe it's, 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 it's not about how antiquated they are. Maybe it's how corrupted we've gotten. Yeah. Nonetheless, a lie is a lie, no matter what are the circumstances under which it is uttered. Or by whom, D.L. Moody says. I have heard that in Siam, they saw up the mouth of a confirmed liar. I'm afraid if that was the custom in America, a good many would suffer. Parents should begin with their children while they're young and teach them to be strictly trustful at all times. He says there's a proverb, a lie has no legs. It requires other lies to support it. Tell one lie, you're forced to tell others to back it up. Let me tell you something. When D.L. Moody says this, parents should begin with their children while they're young and teach them to be strictly trustful at all times, that is so true. Let me tell you something. Don't Don't you dare for a minute think your little child lying is cute. There's nothing cute about it. Nothing cute at all about a lie because that turns into ultimately lying about where they're spending the night and lying about who they're with and lying about what they're doing. Listen, don't think for a minute you can get away with that junk. Man, the Bible's very clear on some things. Lying's horrible. As a matter of fact, lying is probably the worst sin your child can do because if they'll lie to you, they'll cheat, they'll steal, they'll do anything else to you too. You better be careful with that because when someone will lie to you, they don't respect you really. That's the biggest thing you better teach your kids right out of the shoot that you can't deal. If you want to, we, we spank for attitudes, right? That's what you ought to spank for. Not just, not just actions because actions change. Attitudes, though, are, are constant. You just deal with the attitude. Now, listen, the fact is, though, when it comes to this lying thing, you better, if you're going to spank, you're going to discipline biblically and scripturally, you better do it the hardest you've ever done it with that area. That's the area you better really be careful with. You get a liar in your home, you got problems. you got real problems. So the response to lying. From man's perspective, lying doesn't seem to be that serious of a matter. In her, articles, in her article, oh wow, I, I, I don't know how that happened, but anyway, it should be in her article, Kathy Benjamin states, 60% of people can't go, oh wait, in her article, 60% of people can't go 10 minutes without lying. Kathy Benjamin states, there we go, there are two things you can say for sure about human beings. Our opposable something, thumbs make us great at using tools, that thing or whatever. And we are all big, fat liars. That's what she says. By age four, look at this, 90% of children have grasped the concept of lying, and it just gets worse from there, it says. And that's something. Now again, we're talking about some statistics, and someone says, "Well, that's not what it's like in my home." Well, let me tell you what: all my children were born liars, and uh, I was born one too. And you know what? You were born a liar. That's what the flesh is. There's nothing good in the flesh. I mean, why why do we always get all high and mighty? Oh, I'd never do that. Like none of. If if I said, "Who here has never lied?" If you raised your hand, you are a liar. Are you kidding me? Give me a break. By age, I said that one time and somebody got offended. They came to me afterwards and said, I didn't appreciate you calling me a liar.
0: Nice.
1: And I said, well, what did I say? You said if you've never lied, then something about, you know, if you say, think you've never lied, then you're a liar. And I said, so you're telling me you don't, really don't think you've ever lied? I said, I'll say one thing. You're definitely prideful. So that's a sin too. So we can just chalk that one up. I guess we'll just call it even. But, but the fact is, by age four though, 90% of children have grasped the concept of lying and it just gets worse from there. She goes on to say, just how bad is it? According to a 2002 study conducted by the University of Massachusetts, 60% of adults can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. not that amazing? We're talking a 10-minute conversation. But even that number makes it sound better than it really is, she says. Those people in the study who did lie actually told an average of three lies during their brief chat. And I know you're sitting there r- right now, she says, insisting you would be a part of the 40% that didn't lie. That's what the liars in the study thought too. When they watched the tape conversations back, they were shocked at how many fibs they had told. And that's something? She goes on to say, we lie to everyone. Our parents get the worst of it. According to the Day America told the truth, with 86% of us lying to them regularly, followed by friends at 75%, siblings 73%, and spouses 69%. But in general, we lie about things that aren't important. Little things that we think will make us Here it is. look better or more likable, more likable. And that's something. Christian lies. We got those. You know? Stretch the truth. Kind of like you know, how big's that fish you caught. You know? That's no big deal, right? Nobody really cares. It's not that big of a deal. So what you throw a couple extra inches on the fish's length? An extra couple an extra pound or two? No big deal. I mean, how many antlers were on that rack? You know, I shot the biggest buck I ever seen in my life. He's so big, he got away. You know, kind of dumb stuff. You know, we say things and we, you know, we exaggerate things. We, we embellish a little bit. You know, when I was young. You ever hear those words? And you know, you're in the back of your mind, you're going, I bet this one's going to be a good one. Because you're almost anticipating somebody embellishing on something a little bit. When I played the trumpet, I could hold that note for... You know where I'm going with that? Again, we embellish. We kind of exaggerate maybe. Oh, we wouldn't call it a bold-faced lie. And we wouldn't even consider it lying maybe at all. But in reality, it is a lie. And that's exactly what the study was revealing to us. Is that as a whole, we really aren't very conscious of what we say. We go about speaking and saying things, and we're not really in touch with what we're really saying. We embellish, or we say things that aren't really true, or we exaggerate. Those are lies. Those are lies. You know, you had, when you were younger and you worked out, you had a 14-inch bicep, but it's 14 and a half now, or 15, as you've gotten older. It was 15. I had the biggest arms in school. See, I didn't have the biggest arms until after school. But anyway, <laughs> because I was the only one around, and I had the biggest arms. Okay, so anyway, lying, it's all part of the thing. It's how it works. It's, it's a lie. Now, the ruin of lying. The consequences of lying are limitless. I mean, the damage it does to ourselves as well as others is irre- irreparable. It, it doesn't get fixed. It, it's, it's extremely damaging. Ananias and Sapphira found out the hard way how devastating the consequences of lying can be. Uh, don't raise your hand, but who's ever gotten caught in a lie? You, you know, you're usually trying to hide something. You're caught in that lie. It's pretty embarrassing. It's pretty devastating. And often it can hurt and harm many others around you. But we've got to be so careful with that. You know, the Bible's very clear that we ought to be transparent, that we need to live in glass houses, that who we are ought to be, you know, what we do ought to be who we are. You know, and that, that's a battle. I mean, it's a constant battle for all of us. There's no perfect people in here. We're just humans. We're flesh. But we're filled with the Spirit, and we're, we ought to be doing our very best to try to attain to that, that, that spiritual goal of being Christ-like. Jesus was who He was all the time. When he spoke, he spoke the truth. There's no lie in him, and that's exactly what God wants for us. This lady or young guy, whatever, says, you know, lies it hurts people. Stop lying. Lies hurt people. You know when we express, listen, I'll be praying for you. I'll I'll be praying for you. You know how easy that is to say. How about this one? I love you. I love you. That's easy to say. I'm talking about between church members. It's easy. I mean, think about that. We don't lie? Okay. I'm just saying we're not aware of it. It's going on. It goes on all the time. We just don't usually think. We don't think about it. The remedy for lying. (laughs) I'm going to turn to D.L. Moody again. I love this. We're going to fix you up here now. You really want help, you can get it right now. Mr. Moody says this. He said somebody came to him and said, how can I check myself? How can I overcome the habit of lying and gossip? Oh, by the way, those two go together. Did you know that? Those, those yeah, gossip and lying go together. Did you know that? Because usually gossip really isn't rooted in truth or there's a partial lie there or it wouldn't be juicy enough to even share. Most of us lead really boring lives anyway. So if there's a really good piece of gossip, it probably was a little bit exaggerated anyway. That's called lying. The cure is simple, he says, but not very pleasant. <laughs> treat it as a, what? Sin. It is sin. But treat it as a sin then. The problem is we don't look at it like sin. It's just We're just embellishing a little bit. We're just being playful. We're just being, you know, conversationalists. No, treat it as sin and confess it to God. And watch this. And the man... Whom you have wronged. As soon as you catch yourself lying. Go straight to the person. And confess you have lied. Now, now listen. This is important. Let your confession be as wide. As your transgression. If you have slandered or lied. About anyone in public. Let your confession be public. Now this is good here. Uh, what many a person says. Says some. Um. Uh, some mean false thing about another in the presence of others and then tries to patch it up by going to that person alone. That's what we do in church all the time. That's a, We talk about the preacher in front of a group of people down eating breakfast down here or going to dinner with a family or running over here and having lunch with a couple folks from the church. You say, how did you know we were doing that? I don't. I just said it because I covered all three just in case. But let me tell you this, it happens. We're talking about the Sunday school teacher. We're talking about that new member. We're talking about that one guy or gal that we just don't like and we happen to bring it up in the conversation. We rip them good. And then here's what we do. The Holy Spirit of God gets a hold of us and we go, you know, I really was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I feel bad about it. And we'll go to the person and say, "You know I just want to apologize and let you know I, I get some things right with you, you know in the church today, we think that 's commendable. we think that 's really taking a risk, but see it 's not about the other person it 's not about taking risk or not it 's about being right with God here. Yes. You know what you need to do. you need to go that group you were with, whether it was three, four, five, ten, twelve, whether it was the the Bible study here that you lied about a prayer request and you shared gossip instead but you called it a prayer request and you need to stand in front of them and go listen I just want you to know I gossiped and I lied I was wrong God convicted me about it I want to confess that before you and ask your forgiveness then you need to go to the person you lied about get it straight and then you need to go to God and ask forgiveness because if you go to God first He hasn't heard you yet see see D.L. Moody says, that's not making restitution. I need not go to God with confession until I've made it right with that person. If it's in my power to do so, he will not hear me. Listen to me. We, we've, we've downplayed this restitution thing in our churches. You know, when I got, I got saved as a young man, uh, I, I remember um, I remember I had... Uh, I'm, I'm just going to be transparent here, and, and my kids probably don't even know this. But I, I had gone to a store once. Uh, I'd heard about all these kids shoplifting stuff, and I thought, man, that would be the coolest thing in the world, right, to get free candy. I really did. I thought it would be cool. And my dad showed me how to do it. And so I uh, <coughs> and so I, I did. I went into this place. And um, I was just a kid. I was a kid. And I, and I slipped something in my pocket, and I was scared to death. And, and, and I, I, I was really young. I was probably only like 11, 12, something like that. And, and I knew I was a minor, so I knew I wouldn't get thrown in jail. I'm mean, not smart enough to know these things. And I slipped out the door of that place. I'm going to tell you something. I got saved. Man, the Lord got working in my life. And I realized I'd wronged those people. I remember going back to that store a number of years later. I walked in, and I said, listen. I said, I don't know. You obviously don't know who I am. You don't know anything about me. But I want you to know, I took this and this from your store. I took it. I said, I don't know what that means. If you want me to pay for it, you want to call the police, whatever that means. But here's the one thing I know. I'm a child of God. I trusted Christ my Savior, and I know that was wrong, and I want to get that right with Him. He said, that was stupid. And that's why we're where we're at today, because that's stupid in most people's eyes. Let me tell you something. When we start getting that transparent with people... We get that honest about things. That's when things start happening. These young people need to understand that when they make mistakes, they need to be man enough, woman enough to stand up and face it. That's all. You deal with problems. You face them. That's all. Nobody's, nobody's perfect around here, so we might as well get used to it. But, but the fact is, is that we need to be careful. We've got to be transparent here. The remedy. Hannah Moore's method was sure a cure for scandal, she, he says. This is D.L. Moody still. Whenever she was told anything derogatory of another... Oh boy, here we go now. Her invariable reply was this. Come, we will go and ask if it be true. Come, we'll go and ask if it be true. Hold on now, didn't stop there. Didn't stop there. I've had, You know how many people have come to my office and said, Preacher, I just want you to know, there's been a, everybody's saying I said, okay, who's everybody? Give me the everybody's." Well, I I really don't. Oh, so I see your loyalties to them, not to your pastor now, even though I'm the one they're speaking about. Well, I just don't want to break their trust. Oh, so you'll break mine. She'll stab me in the back. I've done nothing to deserve that. They're the ones that you're coming telling me they're saying some things are wrong, but yet you're going to be loyal to the one who's wrong, not the one who's right. It's interesting how we think things through. We don't want to lose that friendship. You call that a friendship? When in your presence, all they want to do is lambaste either a pastor or some authority in the church or some some person that's trying to be a godly Christian and may not look to them like they ought to look. I'm just saying. She's got the solution here. Here it is. Come, we will go and ask if it be true. The effect was sometimes ludicrously painful. The tailbearer was taken back. Stammered out a qualification or begged that, well, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't really saying, uh, <laughs> uh, or uh, stammered out a qualification or begged that no notice might be taken of the sta- statement. Let's just forget it. Let's just drop it right where it was. Let's forget I even said anything. But the good lady was inexorable. That's a big word they used to use back then that means she wasn't going to waver. <laughs> Off she took the scandal monger to the scandalized make inquiry and compare accounts. Come on. You're going with me right now. Come on. Right now. Let's go. Let's ask if it's true. Let's make sure it's not a lie. You just shared a lie with me potentially. Let's make sure it's truth, not a lie. Wouldn't that be something? If the next time somebody comes to you in the church and says something about someone in the church... If you just say, all right, come on, let's go. Let's go ask them. Let's, let's get to the bottom of this right now. You know what you'll find? Same thing she found. As he said, it's not likely that anybody ventured a second time to repeat gossipy story to Hannah Moore. Nobody went back to her with anything. People say, you know, it's just funny. I'm always the one. That people just feel comfortable come talking to me about these things. You want to know why? Because you ain't got the guts to be a man. You ain't got the guts to be a real woman of God. Because you're more about you than you are about God and your relationship with Him. You say, no, I'm just trying to be a buffer. No, you're trying to be a sinner. That's called sinner. That's called flesh. You know what? One of the things that's destroyed the church more than anything else is that right there. Sadly, it's not the world that's hurt the church. It's people in the church. Now, I personally don't feel very slighted. I, I've been very blessed. I, I, there may be people who talk about Mark O'Donnell. I don't know. And if they do, I'm not aware of it, but let me tell you, there's been a few occasions people sit in my office and want to start telling me about something that's said, and then they ain't got the guts to tell me who it was, or then I not got the guts to deal with it like a man or a woman. That bothers me. That bothers me. You know what's right like I do, don't you? If they said something about you, would you want me to harbor them? Would you want me to try to embrace them? Would you want me to continue to feed that fire in their life toward you? No, you'd want me to put it out, snuff it out right now. We're only asking. Everyone in the room is asking the same consideration of one another. Brother Dean does something stupid. Wouldn't be the first time, Brother Dean. (laughs) We've all done stupid things, right? And everybody wants to badmouth Dean or something. he's stupid. I'm going to be on their case, buddy, right now. After I get done laughing with them. But anyway. (laughs) I'll be true to you, brother. There's a difference when we're hurting someone or we're just kind of enjoying each other. And I mean, we kind of laugh at each other all the time, but the fact is is that it's wrong when you're hurting one another. Gossip is a lie, and lies are something God hates, and it cost Ananias and Sapphira their lives. What is it costing us, really? Who's it costing? Think about church after church. If I had some men and women in this church stand up that have been church members for the last 30, 40 years... Oh, wow, we're going late tonight. It's good for you. (laughs) Last 30, 40 years, you know what they tell you hurt the churches they were in? That right there. Split churches right down the middle. Sad, isn't it? Isn't that sad? Think about how many people lost their souls because those churches ceased to exist. Think about that. People are dying because of lying. We may not physically die, let me tell you, spiritually, people are dying. Salvation-wise and their spiritual growth. God help us not to hurt or harm a young Christian because we can't shut our mouths and tell the truth or tell the truth, one of the two. Let's be honest and tell the truth. And, and let's not tell it in a way to where it hurts someone. The truth, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to go around telling everybody that you know something somebody doesn't know. Because I know it, I've got to be honest now. And that's when you just, even a fool, when he holds his peace, is kind of wise. And a man that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Father, we love you. Thank you again for this time together. Oh, Lord, it's been a kind of a different lesson. Lord, I know in my own life, I, I'm amazed as I started thinking about...